Welcome to SVCC Weekly, a weekly podcast from Sangamon Valley Christian Center in Muhammad, Illinois. We hope you enjoy this message from our church, and be sure to check us out online at www.sangamonvalley.net. All right, so... We're going to continue this morning what I started on last week, just kind of uh, book-ending Thanksgiving here on a series on grief. Uh, the holidays are a time that many of us uh, deal with grief, a uh, time that many of us are walking through memories that we have of loved ones that are no longer with us, and those are all a appropriate emotions to have, but we know the holidays uh, bring up a lot of those emotions. And so just kind of walking through what scripture has to say about that. Last week, we looked at uh, the well familiar passage of scripture, Psalms 23. And today I'm going to give you a kind of what it means to lament. And we're going to talk about uh, sitting with others who are mourning, and then we'll end in the Psalms uh, again. But let's start off on what does it mean to lament? To lament is to mourn or be sorrowful. It's that passionate expression of grief. Uh, we go through the book of Psalms, and that's why last week we uh, concluded by looking at a psalm, and today we're going to do the same thing, because the book of Psalms uh, has different groupings or categories that we could put the, the psalms in, and one of those is the psalms of lament, psalms of sorrow, psalms of grief. Uh, as a church in the Western church, sometimes we just want the smiley, you know, seven blessings of a happy life kind of teachings or different ones that it's all good. And you've heard me say that before, but scripture itself includes a book called Lamentations. So what do you think that happens to be about? Time of sorrow, time of grief. Uh, to lament may be occasioned by that bereavement, that loss that people have suffered. Uh, it may be personal trouble that we're walking through, that loss of a job, a divorce situation, maybe a national disaster that occurs. Uh, here our nation is so large that although we feel those across the nation, they're a little more regional uh, than other nations maybe uh, face. Uh, and then also, as scripture talks about often in the book of Lamentations itself is about, is they're lamenting uh, because of the judgment of God that has occurred. In fact, in Matthew at Christmas time and what we celebrate as Christmas time, the book of Matthew gives us a, a story of lament that occurred uh, about the time that Jesus was born. You may not have thought of it this way, but you have all probably heard it uh, or read it yourselves. And in Matthew 2, 16, 18, it says this, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was it exceedingly angry and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, who many believe wrote the book of Lamentations, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Even at the time of Christmas, as Jesus had been born sometime, uh, the wise men show up there. 
it's debated at what point was it actually when he was born or was it more like when he was probably two years old but either way the the birth story of Jesus in scripture includes this time of lamenting that the nation was lamenting over the murder of their children I think we miss this as a nation today, especially as believers that should understand what it means to lament when we hear about abortion and children being killed before they're even delivered into this world. We should be sorrowful. There should be times of grief that we have over that. Children being killed. In fact, that's really why Israel was given the promised land if you go further back in scripture because the people there before them murdered children. It's as if God kind of goes through and says, it can't get much worse than that. And yet we say we are such a blessed nation, maybe because of our history. But regardless, as today we're not talking about that as much as what does it mean to be sorrowful? How do we deal with grief that we have? Many of us understand the pain of losing children, losing loved ones. And we need to deal with our own grief at times in part so that we can deal with others. We all need to understand what it means to sit with the pain of someone that is mourning. It's not always easy. So I want to give you just a few steps today about dealing and working with and helping somebody that is walking through a time of grief. The first is this. We have to do our own grief work first. Most of us have probably dealt with grief in some way. So we have to make sure we're dealing with that, that we have a handle on the losses that we have walked through. I've shared it several different times, uh, but as my parents, I grew up going to funerals and being aware of death uh, and the loss from that with grandparents and great grandparents passing uh, to even as I was a, a junior hire here in the church, losing a friend in a car accident to other friends, uh, um, the Anna Dewhurst passing away later on uh, in another car accident. We, we had to deal, even as a junior hire or high school, with those emotions. Losing a, a grandparent, Grandma Judy passed away. That's a difficult time. My Grandma Jeannie, praise the Lord, she's still with us, but we know at any moment she could go to be with Jesus. And we're going to miss her here, but we're also celebrating she's going to be pain-free. She's not going to have that kind of disconnect between her mind and even what she's saying. And yet there's a time of loss that's there. So yeah, especially as a pastor, but really all of us sit with people that are walking through times of grief. We have to deal with our own grief first. We have to understand our own grief and we can even use that that pain that we've experienced, those emotions, to identify with others during their time of loss. Second is this, we have to be aware of our own limitations as we're helping others through grief. Suffering often impacts really everybody. It impacts everyone, and we have to be aware of our own limitations and allow others, in a way, to really kind of wrestle with God. We can't be the ones to sit there and take care of everything for them. We have to be there, be present with them. But we have to allow others the privilege of kind of wrestling with God through their grief themselves. Not alone. We can be there with them, but there's a wrestling that occurs when there's loss that happens. Part of why that is is because loss was not designed as part of God's creation. 
Loss and grief came in after humanity sinned. Death came in after humanity sinned. Again, we screwed it up in Genesis chapter 3. That changed things. And so loss and grief then became part of what humanity deals with. It's Cain and Abel come and have that fight and there's death that is apparent. Loss. You and I have to understand we have our own kind of limitations in dealing with that in part because we were not designed to go through that. So as we're helping others through that, that really kind of limits us. It also, when I say be aware of your own limitations, we have to understand most of us, and I believe probably all of us in this room, uh, are not professional counselors in that sense, that we've been trained to walk with people. I've gone through some training, but I myself, even as a pastor, I am not a licensed counselor. I'm very much aware of that. You need to be aware of that. Now, I'm a biblical counselor. Here's what God's word says. But there's a difference. And sometimes we need to seek out those that are actual Christian licensed counselors. We need that support, and that's okay. When you and I are sitting there walking with other people through their grief, we have to be aware of our own limitations and and sometimes say, hey, I think it's a good time that maybe you need to, to seek out someone that has a little more experience in dealing with your grief, helping you walk through it. My, my boss, uh, our district supervisor, Dan Munt, he, uh, over the past year, had gone through a lot of loss, a lot of grief, and he tells a story as he took some time off to, to deal with that, to deal with that loss. He, he paid to go see a, a psychiatrist. And so he goes in the psychiatrist. He said something about $240, $260. And he paid that. And I think they took it up front. And he walks in for an hour session. He said he sat there and he gave out, here's, here's what I'm walking through. Uh, here's the loss I've had, laid out his emotions, laid out everything. And about five minutes to the end of the time, it was the first time the psychiatrist spoke and said, you got five minutes left. He finished his five minutes, got up, walked out, and he goes, I paid him $240, $260, and I felt much better afterwards. <laughs> Sometimes we just need people to listen to us, and that's okay too. But you and I as people sitting with others walking through pain as a church family, we have to do that. We have to be aware of, well, our own grief, the limitations we have as individuals, But we also have to understand that as we are doing that, and there are some that do that more than others, you have to also find your own support system. You have to make sure if you're walking through dealing with others that you're being cared for. That's a hard job. I was talking to uh, my uncle, and he was uh, telling me about uh, a cousin of mine who's now in the medical field. And he said, well, she only gets so much vacation time right now because she's, she's new into it, certain grants, and she has to work so much. Um, but then he said, well, once she's done with all that, we'll see her a little more because in the medical field, at least where she's at, they get like something like eight weeks vacation a year because they are caring for people and the toll that takes on them They've come to understand that there needs to be more time away so that they are better prepared to take care of others. We even see that in scripture. Jesus, the bigger the crowd, the more he's with them, the more he goes off to the desert. He goes off to an isolated place. He even goes away from the 12. Sometimes he takes the three and then he goes even further. There are different moments that even the son of God took as he was here, took on the form of a human 
to care for himself as he cared for others. As you're walking through that with, with people, with friends, with families, this day and age, let's be honest, most of our neighbors probably don't have a church family. So you may have the opportunity to step in and be a support system for someone that doesn't have a church. Well, you yourself need to make sure you have a support system. Our church, your small group, the friends you have here can, can be that support for you as you care for your neighbors, for your friends, for your family that maybe aren't tied to a church. As you're walking through times of grief and loss and helping others through it, we also have to always remember to kind of check our stance or check our stance in the situation. We have to make sure, you know, if somebody is walking through a time of grief, you don't walk in like you have been at Disneyland. <laughs> right? You have to identify with where people are at. We walk into a situation and have kind of that appropriate stance, that posture for where we are. Check your body language. Sometimes our body language is inappropriate for the situation and we don't always realize it. We want to make sure we're always there to encourage people. Encourage them in their pain and their loss doesn't mean you act like you just came from Disneyland again. But today, uh, I think the Psalms, as the Psalms are different Psalms of lament, are there to kind of encourage us as we have our own times of grief and loss and, and help us identify with others. And Psalms 43 is a good Psalm for that. And there are several Psalms as you kind of read through them. <coughs> Psalms 43 uh, may actually even just be a continuation of Psalm 42. Uh, if you want to go back and read Psalm 42 sometime, feel free to do that. But the the ending verse in Psalm 42 is the same ending verse in Psalm 43. So they're clearly linked together. Psalms 43 says this, Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for you are the God of my strength. Why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Here in this chapter, it's probably referring to an actual physical enemy that was there coming in against the nation, against a, a tribe. But I think we can also maybe take that and say that applies for us that are walking through a season of loss because, again, all loss came after Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, when sin entered in and we have the enemy really of all of us, Satan himself, that I think we can come and say he's oppressing us, especially as believers, and say we're taking a stand against him. We need deliverance from his oppression from time to time. Verse three says, oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy. And on the harp, I will praise you, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Again, grief impacts us deeply. Internally, our soul in Psalm 42 is within us. Our soul deep within us grieves when there's loss that we suffer. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? 
Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. A few other things I want to point out in this passage of Scripture. It's interesting to me that it's as if it's winter time. It's as if it's winter time and not the winter that luckily it's kind of turned into here the past few days where it's 50 some degrees. The winter time that maybe is coming and it's cold. And you're outside and you kind of have this picture of a, a person wandering, a person being depressed, a person that, that really needs warmth, a person that needs comfort, a person that is feeling as if they're attacked. And yet they're searching and they're looking for, they need a light to guide them. They need to be led into a place of comfort, a place of warmth. And here in this passage in verse 3, it tells us where that place of comfort, that place of warmth is to be. It's to be on the holy hill of God in the tabernacle. Tabernacle or later the temple, but the tabernacle, that place that represents the presence of God in a special way. It's the same way, although it's not this building, but the same way God's presence is to be special when you and I gather here, whether Sunday morning or for a special service or a special time, whether it's here in this building or a small group of the church that meets in somebody's home. There's to be the special presence of God that's different than the presence of God that is carried with us as believers, different than the presence of God that is really all around that helps sustain the earth. To be a special place here, the tabernacle in the Old Testament represents that. The book of Hebrews actually tells us that the tabernacle is a type, a shadow, a copy here on earth in the Old Testament as the Jews lived and wandered around that is actually present in heaven. It's the presence of God that's so special. It's like the throne room of God where God actually sits. They were to seek that out. It was to be that place of warmth, that place of comfort. For those that are feeling oppressed, those walking through difficult times, they need to seek out the presence of God. Brings me to really kind of three concluding thoughts. Three concluding thoughts as I read through this psalm. And the first one is similar to Psalms 23 as we read it. We need to seek to be in God's presence. We're walking through difficult times, times of lament, times of sorrow. Even if we're helping others through it, we ourselves need to make sure we're seeking to be in God's presence. Different than that abiding presence that goes with us. Different than that presence of the Lord that sustains the whole earth. That special presence that happens in his tabernacle or now today as believers gather wherever they may gather. Tells us in verse 3 oh, send out your light and your truth. The light that is truth, it leads us to God's presence. His word leads us to his presence. If you're struggling, you can even open up God's scripture, and I believe he's present as you read it in a special way. I think it's as we gather here, and it's why we always read God's word, it's why there's a call to worship often, because it's his word that's going to guide us, it's going to be our light. During those difficult times, allow his word to guide you to be your light into that more intimate relationship with him as you seek that special presence of God. She help others seek it. The place of God's presence here is specifically, again, Jerusalem. It's that holy hill. It's that 
where the tabernacle becomes the temple. It's that coming in out of the cold as they travel towards Jerusalem. You and I can help people as they go through times of grieving, times of loss, to lead them to that presence of God. Also references here the altar, the altar of God. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And on the harp or the guitar, I will praise you. O God, my God. The altar is the place where that commitment is expressed as well as thanksgiving for God's deliverance. The altars we studied in Leviticus were, was them coming and bringing their animals. It was that reminder of God delivering them out of Egypt. That constant reminder, even as the smoke went up from there, even as the smell of the meat, the barbecue, was to be that reminder of God's deliverance. Here are the altars, they come into the altar, it's to be that reminder of God's deliverance, that they are to be thankful for it, that they are now committed to him. The second thing I think we need to understand is this, we need to be in the community of God's people. The tabernacle, the temple was always surrounded with people. The tabernacle, the, the, the temple, there was the priesthood, yes, that was there, but it was also the kind of that gathering place for all Israel. So I think as we read through here and through this passage of scripture, as he's heading towards Jerusalem, as he's heading towards the holy hill to the place where the tabernacle and then the temple is to be, it's saying you're not going to be in isolation or an isolated traveler that's maybe being attacked along the way, but it's a calling into community, a calling into the presence of God where the people of God are to be at as well. People are not the source of God's presence, but God's presence in the temple was to be experienced within community. I think, again, it's the same today. People are not the light or the truth that it references here, but they are to encourage others to seek out God's light, to seek out God's truth. The third thing is this, we need to be hopeful without pretending things are okay. That's where we mess it up from time to time today. The church wants to be the smiling preacher and everything is great. So I'm hopeful. <laughs> well, for that, we have to start ripping pages out of the Bible because there are a lot of pages of grief and sorrow. The book of Job, scrap it. <laughs> At least probably a quarter of the Psalms, if not more, rip them out because that doesn't align with what often people preach or believe. See, there are times of sorrow. That's why we're talking about last Sunday, this Sunday. Part of what we're talking about is I think we need to understand that's okay that there are times of sorrow. And when we talk about hope and hope in the situation, it's because we're saying, look, it's going to get better. It is going to get better. Whether it's on this earth or not, it's going to get better. Jesus is coming back. But we have to continue to have hope and to understand Jesus. Yes, he's with us today in our grief, our sorrow. We don't have to pretend we're in sorrow. God is still with us, and yet at the same time, we're to have hope. Think to the cross of Christ, that kind of final sacrificial altar. Jesus comes and there's such sorrow. 
God sent his only son to die for you and me. Talk about sorrow. And yet what joy there is because of what Jesus did, you and I can now have this intimate relationship with him and spend all eternity with him. Great sorrow and yet great joy, both existing at the same time. Now the sorrow when we all get to heaven, what a great song to sing. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. See, the sorrow will disappear because the sorrow is never intended. The sorrow is a result of Genesis chapter three. But because of sin, because of the sorrow that humanity brought into the human race, the son of God came and died that sorrowful death so that you and I can have hope knowing we're going to spend eternity with him. And one of these days, sorrow is going to be vanquished. That should bring us comfort today. Again, as the psalmist concludes, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hoping God. It's that calling our souls to that future time. Not ignoring the present where there may be sorrow, but yet calling our souls to that future that future with God, hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. I'm going to have Cammie and the worship team come. But let us remember during the holiday seasons to be especially sensitive to those that even if it's a loved one that passed away many years ago or more recently, the sorrow is okay. The grief is okay. And yet we all need to come and to recognize that we need to seek God's presence. We need to not be just alone, but we need to be in community with God's people. And we need to be hopeful and even hopeful without pretending things are okay. Thank you for listening to SBCC Weekly. We hope you'll subscribe to this podcast as well as give us a like. You can visit us again online at www.sangamonvalley.net.